0: Hi everyone, it's Stephen Hattysides and welcome to another podcast, How to Deliver Outstanding Events That Create Engagement and Memorable Experiences. I'm very fortunate to have Emily Dwyer, uh, who currently leads the Creative HQ Events team in Wellington, New Zealand. It's great to be interviewing. Uh, someone in New Zealand, although they are from the other side of the world where I spent half my life in the, in the UK. So Emily, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for
1: having me, Stephen. I'm always
0: excited to talk about events. Yeah, and look, it looks like you've done a lot. You've, you've been innovating and that's what it's all about. Um, so tell us a little bit about your background um, and where it sort of already started. Where, where did the interest come from um, in doing events?
1: yeah cool so i mean i've been interested in creating experiences for as long as i can remember so you know i was a kid at school that was planning the birthday parties and you know doing the charity bake sales and you know i wasn't naturally kind of studious but i was always very creative um and so kind of when i got to college i was the you know the the lead party planner so to speak planning all the parties and kind of like oh i wonder how i can actually make money from this and do this you know kind of for a (laughs) living so I um, actually studied event management um, at university and um, kind of worked in events throughout my time at university. And I can't, I can't imagine going into or doing anything else. Um, I just loved it. I loved, um, I was always fascinated by um, the memories that people can create from um, attending experiences and being part of experiences. And so um, I was very fascinated by um, human behavior at events. And so I did a bit of psychology alongside my events degree. Um, And, and yeah, just just would love just watching people um, engage at events and and how they interact and how they kind of, like, took on the experience. So kind of after uni, I kind of went into um, quite a few different um, sectors within events, so mostly music um, festivals in the UK, um, kind of moved around positions doing production and stage management and all that kind of stuff musicians were by far the most difficult people I've ever had to work with so, <laughs> <A bit>. um, <laughs> but it was a challenge um, and then I kind of moved into the more charity space doing a lot of work for um, different charity organisations managing a lot of fun runs and marathons and that kind of thing um, and then pretty soon after kind of finishing university I moved to Australia um and was doing kind of more brand uh, marketing focused events though um which was kind of a different kettle of fish altogether um and then um alongside that kind of did my own kind of stuff working for Oxfam and um doing kind of female empowerment conferences that I kind of set up myself. Um and then kind of that didn't bring in the bring in the income too much. So I moved into BNZ um when I moved to New Zealand. Um and kind of my career took a little bit of a different path, but um, because I was kind of mostly managing um, the growth of being digitals um, I guess employee experience so it was still in that experience space but um, more focusing on um, the experience of bringing people on board to the business and the experience within the team and within that was a lot of um, was, was a lot of events as well um, but that kind of like I, I was there for kind of about five years. Um, and was looking for a new challenge when the when the spot came up at Creative HQ. And I think when I left B and was kind of in a space where I really wanted to create events for impact, um, rather than just an events for people to have drinks at or eat free food. Or you know, it was more <laughs> like how can I create experiences that are actually going to impact people's livelihoods and and, and you know um, the environment that we work in and live in. So um, Creative HQ really. Um, Provided that option, and, and I've been at Creative HQ going on four years now. Um, and kind of, we, I guess, in terms of what we manage there, is, is innovation events. We work with startups. Um, we work with community, and so it's a really broad spectrum of um, really cool stuff that we do in that space.
0: And I see that you're uh, one of one of your roles as festival director of uh, is it the Mindset of Design Festival. That sounds pretty pretty interesting. What, what's that all about?
1: yeah absolutely so um that kind of got landed on my plate maybe six weeks after joining creative hq it's the <laughs> fast pace um, place. Is creative hq but it's one of the reasons why I, why i really love the place because um, you're kind of just given a meaty challenge and, and asked to run with it but it kind of developed um Out of this concept, obviously, we run an event called Tech Week in New Zealand, and so um, what kind of our CEO at the time was interested in looking at is there was so much focus on tech for solving problems. How do we look at kind of going back to humans um, solving problems um, and through through human-centered design? So we come up with this concept of running kind of like a parallel event to tech week, which was going to be um mindset of design. So um, it started really loose um, in that first year. We've actually been running it going on four years um, uh, this year, but unfortunately with the, with the recent alert level changes, we had to postpone this year's event. But, um, but essentially it's, it's a festival of um, creativity. Um, what we really kind of focus on is um, curating content that allows people to think outside the box to um, explore explore different ways of tackling problems and to really be i guess during in in their approaches to tackling problems and so um in the past the past three years it's kind of been a build your own adventure um uh, kind of festival where we'd have kind of a week-long um series of keynotes workshops master classes panels um and they could have. They were kind of on all different topics in the design um, thinking space. It was so broad. Um, we had some really kind of cool, cool speakers and cool topics. Um, and then this year we kind of transitioned into, a I guess, a typically more um, two-day conference kind of approach. Um, with, with much more tailored curated content as we've grown um, where we're just getting so much interest for people wanting to speak at it that we have to kind of rein it into two days a little bit and um, add kind of more design to the actual festival. Um, how, how
0: does it work with, I mean, how does it work with uh, events just getting so large and you get more interest? Because I suppose for smaller events, you can be a lot more interactive uh, and there's more time um, to sort of do sort of group learnings when you start expanding it out, do you lose some of that intimacy and and you know the quality of those events, or can you still achieve that? But you need to design it in a different way.
1: Yeah, I think um, so I think there's benefits to both. Really, I think the last three years we've we've really been um, lucky in that we've had those little intimate um, sessions where people could really get to know the speakers and um, get to know each other. Um, but I think um, you know what we really did with with what was going to be this year's festival is we we spent so much time looking into the experience design of the festival to still create those intimate moments, those water cooler chats, opportunities to connect with the speakers. So the way we designed the program was not so that it was going to be so massive that it felt really, um, I guess. Uh, in in, in a way and, and ways for people I guess um, tracks for people to connect with the speakers and connect with each other in, in smaller uh, more intimate groups and I guess one challenge we've kind of looked at this year given that we were going to be in one space for two days across rather than across kind of multiple venues over a week was we've really looked into accessibility as something that we wanted to focus on and not we're not just talking kind of physical accessibility but different learning styles you know people um uh, auditory or visual or you know like to actually get stuck in and do stuff so we would kind of planned activities around that we would kind of looked at you know the people that want to attend um these kind of events but find it really daunting by going by themselves so how could we allow people that were maybe a little bit more introverted to connect with people and connect with the speakers and still get value out of the event because um, it can be daunting you know going to a massive conference by yourself I think that was one thing we you know we looked at this year is that previous years people could just attend one of the sessions and there might it might have been like 20 30 people there but going into a room where there was going to be 700 people is a different story altogether so um, we really kind of pulled it back and looked at those intimacies around how people are going to experience a a larger scale version of the
0: event. Do you think that now with, uh, you know, we've had the the pandemic and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of changes that people have have had to do, you know, obviously digital, which we'll come on to a little bit later, but you know, in terms of, do you think people feel more comfortable in like uh, smaller events? Or do you think it it doesn't really matter um, and that you're still seeing you know, you'll still see good numbers uh, in large gatherings uh, coming back?
1: Um, I think there's been a real shift. Um, Obviously, COVID, uh, um, a massive responsibility for that. But I think um, definitely right now... people are definitely a little bit more reserved and and reluctant to attend um, larger scale events. Um, You know, I've got a lot of friends who are really social that actually just don't want to be around lots of people right now. Um, And so that's kind of where I take my cues uh, when I'm planning events is I kind of, you know, do my own little market research and see what's happening in my circles. Um, But I think initially, I think previous to, you know, COVID uh, kind of coming about, was kind of a a variety and it comes back to that how people interact right it was you've got your people that actually um get much more value being in those smaller you know campfire conversations where they can have kind of one-to-one conversations with people but you've got the other side of things where people will attend as many conferences as as they can in a year because they just love the buzz of being in a you know, a large-scale event with lots of people around them and lots of different kind of interactions and ways of engaging, and 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 that's one of the reasons I got into events because there's nothing better than getting onto an event side and seeing crowds of people enjoying something you've created, right? So I think there's yeah. a real mix. I I definitely think there's been a a shift um a shift you know since since COVID came about where people actually are like, well. You know, I can experience things differently now. I can experience things at home without to leaving my house. Um, I think it's actually changed how we how we engage as a society, um, to be honest. But, um, yeah.
0: And I suppose, what what's your experience? Uh, you know, we've seen uh, in 2020 a uh, big transition to just virtual, and I think every events organiser had that big question to ask themselves that, am I going to refund all of the vendors, everyone's ticket money, or am I gonna try and work with this virtually? And I suppose those events that actually dipped their toe a little bit earlier in uh, 2018 and 19, where it was very scarce, uh, were able to make much more success of it. Because I saw around the world, um, events being done really badly. um, And a lot of, uh, some of the big events companies tried to throw together some software that Just gave everyone a bad experience, a bad taste of what virtual can really bring to um, an event, but also the transition now into hybrid events is, um, you know, there is a place um, for virtual and digital, I I believe, Um, but it's it's the in person. It's not to replace it. It's really to maximize the scalability the engagement which can be quite different from in-person to virtual so i suppose how did you obviously you guys have survived um you know through the last couple of years so how did you pivot uh, and how far did you pivot into virtual uh hybrid solutions
1: yeah no it's been a, it's been a really interesting time um, the past few years I mean Creative HQ um, is a, you know a global company we've done a lot of work um, internationally and so you know when covid hit we kind of was like kind of pivoted straight away you know we had to keep going like and, and as leaders in innovation um in New Zealand we kind of had to be at the forefront of leading that change and so you know we um we pivoted pretty pretty quickly in figuring out how we can still deliver things um to our international clients and online and still connect with our community which is a massive part of the work we do and actually you know that connection piece um is really was is still and was really huge back then and so our kind of our first I guess pivot was that we um within kind of two weeks of us all going into lockdown um myself um, and some colleagues and people around New Zealand kind of came together and we um Designed essentially a hackathon called Hack the Crisis, which we ended up having about a thousand people online um, for a forty-eight <laughs> hour Brilliant. challenge, which was just insane because you know it was really new. We were the first people to be doing it in New Zealand. Um, there was similar events around the world, people doing it, but we were the first one in New Zealand, and the the engagement was insane. It was you know it was still fresh for people. People didn't have that kind of Zoom fatigue, um, yeah, and that being online, and and so. You know, I really um, one thing we are very good at at Creative HQ is, is making things happen quickly. We we make a plan and we and we execute it, and we learn from it and we adapt it. And so that was kind of our first experience of of going virtual, and it was a really successful um, it was a really successful event, and and we connected all those people in a time that was really difficult. Um, and since then, um, we've kind of really adapted. We've tried different things. We've tried different platforms. Um, and I guess one thing that, um, that we've learned is that, you know, definitely the last year people are, are really su- suffering with that Zoom fatigue and, and getting people to come to virtual events is actually quite challenging. And so, you know, one thing that, that we looked into, essentially me and my team, is how do you create that physical experience but virtually, and so we kind of really tap into that experience design side of things, and for me, you know, when I plan an event, I, I tap into the basic stuff like the senses, you know, sight, sound, smell, you know, all those things, so how do you recreate that online, so we, we kind of built our virtual events, Um, with that in mind and so (laughs) we tried lots of different things you know we um we tried online djs as icebreakers you know (laughs) we tried different tools of engagement um but i think you know one thing that that's come quite clear out of of managing hybrid and virtual events is um is keeping things quite simple sometimes you know it can be really overwhelming Um, or it was you know at the start of 2020 to Get people to go onto a different platform and, and get used to seeing their face online and and other people looking at their face online and so keeping things really simple, um, communicating really clearly. So we do we you know in our coms when we've got a virtual event we do a step by step of what people can expect at each stage of of getting online, um, and we always have a support team um, on our virtual events for anyone that might be struggling. Um, and I think another key thing is is that engagement piece right like keeping people online is is really crucial to keep that and get like those numbers up and and keep yeah. people kind of actually like you know um staying right till the end of the, the end of the event and so um you know we find like putting little hooks in so actually not putting the you know the most you know exciting content up front putting it towards the end and so it's just little little tricks and stuff that we've actually just, and we're still learning, right? We're still trying to figure out how we keep people from dropping off um, from virtual events and keep people engaged during a time where everyone's just sick of being on Zoom, you know? So
0: exactly, um, yeah. No, I yeah, get it. Look,
1: yeah. I,
0: I think I think where uh, it was challenging for people in 2020 was that they were trying to translate. And emulate that ex- exact experience that they had in person online. And that wasn't anyone's fault. It was just the lack of knowledge and understanding of what you could do virtually. And a lot of the time, you know, when we're speaking, uh, you know, with our clients that uh, are running events or event planners, it's we tell them anything is possible, it's just done in a different way. And it's not necessarily to say, it's better or less effective. It's just done in a different way. And I think, you know, when and which you've experienced is when you're wanting to run an event, you really do have to think outside the box and you think, what is my outcome and how am I going to take those steps to get there? And you can definitely work out a way to do that virtually. It's just as a team together, need to come up with some pretty cool, constructive ideas. And I think. You know, there are a lot of technologies and platforms out there, and I think it's important to find one that's very versatile and flexible, that you can change colours, you can, you know, change the look and feel of something, so you can simulate that sort of real-life experience, or even, you know, uh, having a team that's possibly local, or uh, 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 an account manager that you feel comfortable with that you can pick up the phone or drop them an email and you're going to get an immediate response. I think, again, I think the biggest concern with events managers from what I've heard over the last sort of couple of years is that that uncertainty and lack of confidence that, you know, they're going to damage their relationship with their clients because of the reliability of technology. Um, and as you know, we can't control the internet speeds of individuals <laughs> around the world. <laughs> so... Um, you know, we, we had our own massive event. Uh, this was in, we started planning out in 2017. And, you know, we wanted to test out our, our software, so we put together this huge event, big global uh, conference, and we ended up getting, you know, 5,000 attendees, 100 vendors, it was in four languages, and we had 32 countries attend, and we, we had no idea How someone would interact on a virtual space, and neither did they. So we sort of had to create a roadmap that made sense. Uh, But again, I think internet speeds came into a little bit, but to be honest with you, I think 99% um, we're all able to watch the content. I think, you know, pre recorded content, and sometimes with a a semi live approach where, you know, it feels like a conference, but it takes away a lot of that uncertainty. of the internet speed, so we always used to say an eighty twenty rule, with eighty percent, you know, uh, pre-recorded with a with a live feel to it, and twenty percent sort of live. But I do see now a lot are uh, doing the hybrid where there's a there's a lot more of that that live part. Um, yeah. I think some of the other things, isn't it, where I, I sort of resonate with what you say about how do you keep people engaged? And I think it is important that you know, you do have things um, in and around your event. And I think, you know, it's really good with some of the platforms that you can have lots of different experience rooms uh, throughout the event. Uh, The gamification's always worked extremely well for us. So, you know, getting people to go to the exhibition hall, um, to meet the partners, listen to their presentations, they get points uh, and they win prizes. Um, But it's similar to a physical environment. I mean, I've been to hundreds of in-person events in the medical space and, you know, they still had the problem of getting doctors to look at the, uh, go into the exhibition halls because they're wanting to catch up with their friends and they're, you know, they're wanting to go out for dinners and and watch content, you know. They don't really want to go into the exhibition halls so much. Um, So we've got that problem, haven't we, in an in-person and virtual environment. And I think more and more, it's like, how can we use both um, to create a more effective experience, but then also give access, uh, we look at the opportunity of giving access to um, people outside uh, our sort of region. Um, so for our goal on that big medical conference was to give third um, third world countries, uh, doctors in those countries, access to some of the best speakers in the world. Um, with for you know a hundred dollars uh, versus then going to Paris and Monaco and having all the yeah. expense and travel and um, you know hotels etc. So no, I think it sounds like you've done extremely extremely well with that. What's the um, the DevOps conference that you did? I think that was quite innovative. That was the first one that you had created for for that industry.
1: Yeah, and so I was kind of, um, that kind of came off my work at um, BNZ actually because we were doing kind of smaller scale kind of hackathons with the BNZ digital team as it was kind of growing um, and uh, we kind of run these smaller scale in-house hackathons just with the team. Um, and people found real value in them. And actually one of our um, developers um, at the time was was kind of, you know, connected with the wider um, developer community um, in New Zealand. And so um, I kind of got approached to help this group of people um because they were all techies they were all developers um i knew nothing about developing but i knew the event side of things so we kind of were this mishmash of people um creating this you know new zealand's first um devops conference essentially um and so um yeah it's going back maybe oh crikey um seven years or something the first one we did now i think it kind of lasted maybe five um five conferences and it just got bigger and bigger but um yeah, essentially, that was, uh, I guess, a physical version of the hack the crisis that I was talking about. It was, you know, obviously pre-pandemic and it was, uh, you know, a 48-hour um, uh, conference of bringing um, people in the DevOps space from around New Zealand um, to share and connect and talk about, you know, latest research and latest trends. And um, it was all very nerdy. I had no idea what a lot of people <laughs> were talking about, to be honest. But yeah. It was the event. So, I could bring that, you know, they wanted it to be, um, they didn't want it to be this dry conference, right? So, they wanted someone to bring that kind of trendy, kind of cool experience through and make DevOps, you know, cool, essentially. Um, Yeah. So, Um, there was a lot of you know in a lot of the experience design there was a lot of gamify um, that we did um, within the experience design and um, a lot of kind of like breakout sessions and campfire you know sessions just to allow people to kind of um, you know split off from the kind of wider group Um, but yeah it kind of of did quite well and um, we, we kind of ran it for five years and it grew steadily you know we started at maybe like 150 people and I think you know when it got to the the fifth year um, where we're kind of at the more kind of like 2,000 people um, uh, level. Um, And, and it's you know, it was, I guess it came from the fact that there was a real need for it in New Zealand. Like people were having to travel overseas to go to DevOps conferences. And it's like, well, why can't we just actually do this in New Zealand? um, There's a market for it. Um, And so, but then, yeah, after that five years, the kind of team kind of, um, you know, moved on to different things and everyone kind of had different... Um, I guess kind of challenges um, in in the over, over areas of the work. So um, yeah, but you know, hopefully it'll it'll pick back up at some point again in the in the future once things calm down again. But it was a really cool event to be a part of.
0: And, and so, being in events in events, I mean, you, you have to be pretty strong, strong-willed. Eh? There, there's a personality, and <laughs> you got to be a people's person. You've got to be really resilient to change last minute sort of uh pressure um so for people that are wanting to sort of maybe not just get into events but like for yourself you're considering running a new event what what sort of what sort of goes through your mind i mean is is it that you know we're going to create this new event you know are people going to find it interesting are people going to book in do you find with events and does it change over time where people book their tickets at the last minute, or do you find people are booking their tickets well in advance?
1: I think it depends on the type of event. So I think in the instance of, you know, Kings of are coming to Auckland and, you know, they're not coming till 2023 or whatever. I think, you know, stuff like that, people book in advance because they know the tickets are going to sell out, right? So. But I think in my industry, especially in Creative HQ, what I found, um, uh, and working in events in New Zealand in general, I think it's kind of a different culture here in that people do tend, generally tend to wait till the last minute to sign up, um, which comes with its challenges as well, right? You know, when you're ordering catering and size of venue and all those kind of things, um, you kind of, you know, have to kind of mind read and predict what's going to happen really um, and hope for the best. but. Yeah, I often find, and I think the behaviour has definitely changed since um, the pandemic started. Is people they just want to keep their options open. I think, um, and you know, we live in a world where people have got so much choice now, and they've got so the the you know the the events market is almost saturated because there's so much stuff that people can do, um, and 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 I think people just generally like to you know, see how they feel on the day or, you know, if something better comes along, they don't want to have, you know, had to have yeah. commit to something they now have to go to. And so that's definitely one thing that I find really challenging um, uh, in events is, is that kind of like people just deciding kind of last minute. Um, but I'm I'm also guilty of it, to be honest. I, I, actually,
0: <laughs>
1: I have to check myself now when I'm about to like click RSV to an event, like, am I actually going to go to this thing? So,
0: Are you um, a millennial? are you classified yes,
1: I know <laughs> and we've got so much choice for like what's the cool thing to do it might be cool this week but not next week so um, yeah I do find that it is quite a last minute thing um, these days anyway
0: oh that's that's amazing and so uh, just lastly I mean what's what's coming up for you guys what you know is, is there anything uh, that the audience would find interesting you know maybe possibly uh, attending physically or um, virtually
1: yeah, I mean, so we're currently um, in the process of redesigning mindset of design um, for this year. Obviously, um, we were supposed to be running our two day festival next week, um, so we're going to have a little little in person session for my team to celebrate that it was going to happen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're currently in the process of redesigning that. Hopefully, to get that um, to get some version of it um, uh, by the end of May. So, um, you know, keep a look out on the mindset of design website for. news for that coming up we've got this amazing amazing program of these incredible speakers we've got about 32 um speakers all coming from different walks of life talking about different challenges within um design and it's not just for designers the one thing that we say about mod is that um We really want to make it accessible in that, you know, we design kind of in our lives every day to our commute to work, to what we're having for dinner, Um, and we want to make design more accessible to people because actually some of the content that comes out of Mindful of Design is so, so valuable to everyone. Um, And and so, um, yeah, we we, kind of make it so it's not just very like heavily design focused and you've got to be a designer to attend. Um, So we've got that coming up in May. Um, We also run a community event series at Creative HQ, which kind of covers stuff from um, innovation to entrepreneurship to creativity. Um, We run a a session usually once a week, um, and we have some really cool, diverse speakers um, that come and join us for that. so yeah, we're just, and, and you know, with, with the Red Alert level, we're just kind of constantly um, iterating at the minute of how we can deliver things and connect with the community still and and, and still provide experiences for, you know, our ecosystem essentially.
0: That's oh, super exciting. No, look, it, it, you guys sound like you're doing really, really well, you know, in these slightly difficult and very inflexible times uh, in New Zealand. And... Look, I think it does open up a lot of opportunities, though. It's made the world a lot smaller, hasn't it? Where we can attract more attendees, more interest um, from attendees all over the world. We can get speakers. We can get other sponsors that, you know, companies that want to enter in New Zealand or they want to attract good talent from New Zealand into other markets. I think, you know, there are a lot of opportunities. And it sounds like you're really sort of capitalizing on that. So... Um, Emily I, look it, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, having this interview you're you, just a wealth of knowledge and you know I'm sure everyone listening is is going to find a lot of those really valuable those nuggets that, that you gave so I uh, thank you so much and I'd love to do an interview with you later on in the year I, I just think uh, and see how things have been going
1: absolutely no thanks so much for having me on Stephen I really appreciate it
0: thank you